Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. As always, I'm Lynn Wilder with Ex-Mormon Christians United for Jesus and my co-host. Hey, I'm Michael Wilder, and we're at an undisclosed location someplace (laughs) in the eastern part of the United States. Both special guests that we have, plus Mike and I, have been in ministry to the wonderful LDS people for a number of years. All four of us are former LDS who have chosen biblical Christianity. I'd like to introduce you. Let's let's start with Ross because Ross has been ministering to the Mormon people in Utah for four decades, right, Ross? Ross found yeah. Jesus in your teen years, perhaps, pretty young in your life. And um Yeah, young adult. Since then, he has been a pastor, planted churches in Utah, now is involved with an organization called Utah Advance, which kind of mentors other pastors in Utah. Um, He's written a number of books. He's had lots and lots of experience in transitioning Mormons to the biblical Jesus. We met several years ago. There's only a handful of us doing this, and we're all good friends. Um, Ross and Corey Miller have a new book out that we're going to talk about today. Ross, what's the name of that book? The book is called Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message. It's uh, R3M, as I'm calling one of myself. <laughs> well, let me introduce Corey, and then we'll get into some particulars about this wonderful book about how to witness to Mormon missionaries and why, right, to witness to Mormon missionaries. Corey Miller has been a good friend of mine for many years. Uh, He took me out to lunch a few years ago, and we decided that this was a worthy cause to bring Mormons to Christ. Corey and I uh, did a book together called Leaving Mormonism, Why Four Scholars Changed Their Minds. Since then, Corey has done a couple of other books on Mormonism. He is the director and CEO, I believe, of Ratio Christi, which is an apologetics organization that teaches Christian youth, um, particularly in college campuses, but I think high school as well, right, to defend their Christian faith. Welcome, Corey. Thank you. It is great to be here with you guys, friends. (laughs) Well, as we get into the book, um, I want to start with Ross's chapter. So I'm sure Ross knows that in my professional career in higher ed, I taught multiculturalism. So I'm all about cultures. And the LDS have a very specific culture, particularly in Utah, but even when Mormons live in the mission field, they have very closely kind of defined characteristics, things that they believe, things that they say. Um, And so why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about this LDS culture that these Mormon missionaries come from? Right. Thank you. Culture. Culture is what we do every day without thinking. It's it's who we are. It's the norms and mm-hmm. and values and behaviors that that are shaped by. We never learn them from a book or from a class 
us. We learn them by observing the people around us. And so we all have culture. We're all part of culture. Each one of us has cultural traits. But Latter-day Saints have a unique culture. And um, so in Utah, we joke about it. We talk, joke about the food. We joke about funeral potatoes and, and green uh, jello with uh, cabbage sliced up in it and just things like that. But those are those are just representatives of these underlying things that how does uh, culture defines how do we know what's true? How do we know who to trust? Um, how do we respond to other people who are not part of our culture? And all of those are wrapped up in not only every culture, but in Mormonism in particular, and they affect the way that we communicate the gospel to Latter-day Saints. So tell us specifically what some of those cultural things look like besides the green jello. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. So when it comes to communication, um, well, number one, every culture has like lore. It has stories of heroes, who's heroes, and so, and connection with the past. And so you have this deeply embedded sense of, of family connection and and how many generations of Mormon I was or my family, you know, so I was born into this, this network, this web of identity. But when it comes to communicating the gospel, um, we talk about how Latter-day Saints understand truth by experience. Now that's related to the chapter Corey wrote, but it's all, it, so Latter-day Saints are, are not necessarily theologically oriented. Their culture is about stories and narratives. And so narratives of history are designed to teach truth. They don't just tell great heartwarming faith-promoting stories, but they teach how the truth works and how you can know the truth. Um, there's challenges. If we're sharing the gospel with people, we have to understand that their culture links them into community. And so there's going to be challenges if they accept what we're saying. And then they're going to have to think twice about not just the definitions and the theology we're talking about. They're going to think a lot about their relationships and how that uh, de determines their relationships because the Mormon culture keeps people um, connected um, within some maybe negative ways. It, it, we talk about how the LDS culture is very sensitive to persecution and opposition. And that was a big part of the LDS history, but the church has, has uh, fostered that feeling. And so if I come across as being negative or attacking, they'll think, oh, I'm just being persecuted. And so that's a turnoff in, in the cultural setting. So some of those things take into take into account. So I'm going to give you a recent example of this whole idea of enmeshment among Mormon families. Talked to somebody from Utah County just recently. She's been out of the Mormon church for six years. It's chosen Christ has been going to one of the Christian churches down there. And she has an LDS father who lives close, who texts her several times a day. YouTube videos, Mormon scripture after six years and I often have to have conversations with those people about the importance of boundaries and putting some boundaries on all of that, because even after six years, then you can get really confused if you're back and forth with one foot in one world, one in the other, and continually hearing those things from the past. This would not be an unusual situation, would you say, uh, in Mormon yeah. families? Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, Mormon families, the culture 
of Mormon families is very enmeshed and very dependent. And, um, you know, there, it's, it's, there's a positive side of that, that, you know, we care for each other, but it, but there's a negative side of that as well, where I, I can't think my own thoughts or have my own experience of life apart from the family. And it's frightening to do that. So Corey, let's jump to your chapter on the LDS testimony. What do you mean by testimony? Because it might be a little different in Christianity than in Mormonism. Yeah, it definitely is a little bit different. <laughs> we What we testify about is different. Uh, different concepts of God, different Jesus, different gospel. Um, but the the LDS uh, religion encourages their people to find a testimony, to acquire a testimony. Uh, testimony is a major source of revelation, personal revelation, that for the average Mormon, whereas you have the scriptures, which are authoritative, and you have the prophets that are authoritative, especially the, the founding and the living prophet, uh, for the average Mormon, many of them, hunker right down on that personal burning in the bosom, on the personal testimony. You don't want to lose your testimony. You want to find your testimony. You want to employ and deploy your testimony offensively, not to be a jerk, but in an offensive move to proselytize, to evangelize. They think that is one of the best, most fruitful ways to persuade an investigator to make the decision to become a Mormon. And it's also used as a defense mechanism when they feel like they're in trouble. They'll lean back onto their testimony. And so don't confuse me with the facts. I've got a feeling. I know that the church is true. I know that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. I know that the Book of Mormon is true. And, you know, since at least 2004, they've got the glove illustration where there's five parts to the testimony, right? Mm -hmm. um, most of our authors in this book uh, did their missions after 2004, which is when the Preach My Gospel began. One of them was prior to that. I was a Mormon prior to that. And, um, you know, it, you didn't have the five elements there. I know we've talked about this before, Lynn. Uh, but the, the heart is still there, this, this, this uber confidence, this extreme tenacity, uh, bearing testimony often is encouraged and I think while it is not an essential doctrine of Mormonism, it is, in my view, close to being essential as a component of dialogue because you're not going to get very far on second base until the Mormon can doubt that overconfidence in a subjective personal testimony. Now, having said that, uh, I want to also say, because I think a lot of Christians shortchange the testimony because they see Mormons do it so often and they feel like it makes the Mormon Teflon. Um, you know, you, you're not going to say anything that's going to phase them and they think testimonies are dumb. Well, the Bible talks about testimony. Um, his spirit testifies mm. with my spirit that I'm a child of God. In 1 John chapter 5, 9 through 13, one of the major verses that I, passages that I use in talking with Mormons about eternal life and bearing my own testimony with them is there. As a philosopher, as a trained philosopher, testimony is a standard form of knowledge that philosophers discuss, testimonial authority, expert testimony used in a court of law and so forth. So we don't want to dismiss testimony. 
And sometimes we can even encourage it and, and tell the LDS missionary, thank you for sharing your testimony. Uh, I believe in, um, you know, a relationship with God and that God communicates with me as well. So we can build a bridge on that because eventually we're going to want to subvert the Mormon testimony, at least their confidence in it, to be able to then bear our own testimony, which aligns with objective testimony of scripture and nature and, and things like that. And the way that I do that is I like to talk about a police lineup where, you know, you have a couple of culprits lined up there and you're trying to figure out which one did it. Now, Joseph Smith goes into the grove and he said, which church is true? The Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Congregationalists, the Baptists. And he was told, he says, none of them. So the Mormon knows the grove encounter. They know that the, the personal revelational encounter Joseph Smith had there. And so I want to challenge the Mormon who's asking me to pray at the end of Moroni to receive a testimony, a burning in the bosom, that all of these things are true. I want to say, but aren't there multiple sects of Mormonism similar to how in Joseph Smith's day there were multiple Protestant movements? And if so, which one of their testimonies should I be believing? Are the other ones liars? No, 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 because you're not going to want to judge them, right? Right, don't judge lest you be judged. So you're saying they're deceived though, right? Because you're the one that's correct. That's right. So you're saying that a personal subjective testimony all alone can be self-deceiving, right? Then how do you know you're not being deceived right now? So I want to be able to ask thought-provoking questions about the testimony early on as a form of dialogue so they can see and be brought to that grove experience themselves because that's going to stick with them. That illustration will stick with them long-term and they need to be able to doubt the testimony in order to make room for truth. Well, and so I often tell Christians, when's the last time you bore testimony of something Jesus did in your life and it brought you to tears like it does to the Mormons? Because this is important to Mormons and they think truth comes through this venue, if you honestly have the truth, why not use this venue as well? right? We as Christians tend to talk to each other about those things, but we tend not to bear testimony to the outside world often of those amazing things that God has done with us personally. I think those are extremely impactful for Mormons to hear for a couple of reasons. One is that when I was LDS, I wasn't sure the Holy Spirit operated outside of my church. So if I hear some of those kind of experiences, I'm blown away. Wait a minute. The Holy Spirit answered their prayer. Scripture gave them answers. Somebody showed up, right? Those narrative stories today, especially in this postmodern world, are huge really for anybody outside of Christ. And there's no reason why we as Christians should not also be in that realm. We are the ones with the truth. There's no reason why we shouldn't be out there saying that. Yeah, and, and Jesus it's, said the purpose to life is to know God. And so what does it mean to know God? There is a personal relationship there. And if the Christian is living with Christ, walking with Christ, we ought to be able to testify what God is doing in our lives on a regular basis, not just that conversion, but throughout our lives and, and be quite tenacious about that too. You know, it's yeah. uh, interesting. We, Lynn and I were just in, in Southern Utah 
and uh, we were speaking uh, uh, to to different people, and I I didn't know the different congregation of people that was out in the audience, and we had people there that were strong believers of the Book of Mormon, a full testimony of Joseph Smith, but stated that the LDS church has gone astray, that their current prophet is incorrect. And I'm just doing that. And before I even found this out, you know, they keep telling, uh, the, the pastor said, just give them your testimony. And it was interesting that I told people about my experience, not in detail, of, of coming out of the LDS church, but I said I wanted people to know that when I came out of the LDS church, it was due to the reading the Word of God in the Holy Bible. It wasn't a pastor. It wasn't some kind of historical document. It wasn't somebody who was leading me out of Mormonism. It was that when I asked God to open up my eyes to what the Bible really is stating, it's like, as Paul mentioned about the Jews who couldn't see Christ for who who he was, to remove the veil. And God actually removed the veil over my eyes, my mind, and my heart, so I didn't see Mormonism. And I read the Word of God, and it brought me out of the Mormon church. It was just that simple. Nobody else involved. And I'm up there testifying of how it was the word of God, the Holy Bible that brought me out of Mormonism. And these people who were stuck in the Book of Mormon could not understand how I could have studied the Book of Mormon, had a testimony at one time, and then leave that and say it was the Bible that brought me into Christ when they're saying it was the Book of Mormon that brought them under Christ. So I gave my testimony, and it was like they hadn't heard that before, and they were really confused. And But the, I kept saying, this is my story. This is what God did with me. He opened up my eyes. He removed the veil, gave me the word of God. And once that's presented, I could not deny it. I could not live a lie. I even said, Linda and I even thought about, well, we could stay in the LDS church and be kind of like Christians and affect Mormonism, but but I could not I could not live a lie. God would not allow me to live a lie. He said, "You either come out, you know, you know what the truth is, and that's what He's done." So, but um, anyway, um, let's. Uh, well, that was that was interesting, <laughs> folks. They were also following a prophet, a new prophet, yeah. which and there's a couple of those out there now. So yes, you're right. There are several sects, different places people go. They need to hear that Jesus alone is enough. Um, let's, we have a few minutes left. Let's get into what is in the rest of this book. Corey, say the name of your book again. <laughs> R-M-M-M, Ross says. R-3Ms, <laughs> Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message, Confident Conversations with Mormon Missionaries and Other Latter-day Saints. So, Ross, you've used the name Mormon, which the LDS Church now says is offensive. Is that because most Christians recognize that term, do you think? Yeah, it's partly we we chose specifically to use what had been what has been the majority usage in the media outlets, the New York Times. 
times, et cetera, for, for decades. And in fact, has been the preferred usage of the LDS church not that long ago under you know Gordon B. Hinckley. So we chose to use it just to avoid confusion. And we said, look, we don't mean it in a derogatory, a pejorative way. It's just the it's just that how it people understand that word and it's a, the adjective related to it. So we use it for stylistic uh, variety as well as just to connect with what people understand. Well, let's move on to the rest of this book. Now, neither Ross, you did not serve an LDS mission. I did not. And Corey did not as well because they decided to go the Jesus route early. But there are, are there five other authors then involved in the book? Six. There's six. There's six actually. Who are former? They're they're all, all six are former uh, LDS missionaries who are now following Jesus. And so each one of them has something um, unique to say. So my favorite part about this book is that you go through the preach my gospel manual that LDS missionaries use to teach people the Mormon gospel and very specifically you address what about this is Christian not Christian what scriptures uh kind of challenge this and um, I think this is one of the most detailed and useful things for people who want to witness to Mormon missionaries. Thank you for doing this. Corey, I laughed at your question. I asked Corey what questions I should ask. And he said something like, because there, there are so many Mormon books out there. I'm like, there aren't so many Mormon books <laughs> out there. We need hundreds <laughs> of these kind of books, right? Uh, of Mormons that have come, former Mormons who have come to faith in Christianity, we love everyone. This is certainly a, an extremely unique one. And I, I'm excited to interview maybe not all six of them, but certainly many of the authors in this book so they can tell about their experiences, Mormon missionaries, their advice for people in witnessing to Mormon missionaries. Um, so what are some of the things that that you think we learn from these former Mormon missionaries now Christian? Well, I mean, they all have a new testimony. They all talk about their struggles. You know, they all fulfilled their full two years from coast to coast and in various places around the world. Um, many of them uh, went to seminary after, earned PhDs. Uh, launched podcasts or music ministries. And um, they all, unlike a lot of people who leave the Mormon church today, throw the baby out with the bathwater, these people didn't leave God. They left the Mormon church for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And one of them actually had a book, um, a biblical defense of Mormonism, <laughs> and they debated you. <laughs> and his dad told him, son, she she gave you a shellacking. <laughs> <laughs> that that's because Mike was sitting next to me on the on the radio show, downtown London, Christian radio show called Unbelievable. I'm debating a Mormon apologist called Michael Flournoy, and my husband is behind me handing me scripture after <laughs> scripture. 
<laughs> it was a, you know, it was the both of us together. Thank you, Mike. Two years after that debate with Michael Flournoy, he called me on the phone one day and said, you won't believe what happened to me. He said, um, when we debated, I walked away thinking, huh, there is no biblical defense of Mormonism. <laughs> Maybe I should look into this. Awesome. And then he got connected with Keith Walker, who is near him in texas learned the impossible gospel mm. that there's nothing you can do to save yourself that you need a savior that trying to make yourself perfect is an impossible gospel and he learned about this great exchange that happens when you give your life to the right jesus the holy spirit enters you um and he made that exchange, and now he's an author in your book. But he also wrote another book about his experience of leaving Mormonism. God is just so fun to watch as he's on the move with the LDS. Yeah, and I think what I what I appreciate about this being so biographical in this way, it's kind of like the one we did together, leaving Mormonism, why four scholars change their minds. But uh, instead of scholars, it's former Mormon missionaries, and that holds a lot of credibility. You know, as if a if a Mormon yeah. missionary converts, sometimes whole families convert, <laughs> as you know all too well. And we know by this book and by your ministry, lots of Mormon missionaries are converting. But we also know that, uh, as one Mormon apostle recently said, uh, just in the last couple of months, by the end of this year, they anticipate having their largest missionary arsenal ever, 100,000 LDS missionaries to include teaching missionaries and service missionaries, uh, mm -hmm. but about 70 plus thousand, it'll be their uh, teaching ones, their largest ever. And so they continue to grow. They've had a 25% increase this year over last year on baptismal conversions. And so what we're hoping to do with this is to give people hope. You can, by God's grace, lead a Mormon missionary to Christ. And if it happens, you're going to see exponential impact, cascading growth. You're going to stop seeing the bloodletting from, you know, people moving out of Christian churches into Mormonism. And instead, we put a, a kibosh on the Mormon missionary growth movement for the church and start uh, leading the whole church back to Christ through all these missionaries. And that's a great place to stop because we are out of time. Thank you so much. Um, please look forward to this book, Responding to, say it again. The Mormon Missionary Message. Thank you. Grace and peace to you. Until next time. Thank you. And may God bless. <laughs>